holy name of Jesus, amen. I was once talking to a farmer at a farmer's market in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina about the Holy Trinity. And uh, that's why you go to farmer's markets. Um, because farmers are interesting people. And they're in touch with the land. They understand how the world works. Um, they understand growth and they have really fantastic insights as to how this weird world really does work. And I think that it was about this time of the year and so the Holy Trinity was kind of on everyone's minds anyways, which maybe was the reason why we were talking about these great mysteries of the Holy Trinity while I was buying tomatoes from him. If you were to convert to Orthodoxy, to the Eastern Church, whether that's Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Ukrainian Orthodox, or whatever other sort of flavor of Orthodox uh, you would have, you, as Lutherans, you would specifically have to reject something called the filioque. You'd also have to reject some other things too, but um, this is one thing that they really don't like about us. Filioque, it's a Latin phrase, it just means, and from the Son. When the Nicene Creed was originally approved at the Council of Constantinople in 381, it read like this. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. A little later, the church added this little phrase, the filioque who proceeds from the Father and the Son. This is not shocking to you, of course, but uh, it has not always been that way. So if you were to make the jump and switch over to orthodoxy, you would have to formally and publicly reject that little part of the creed, and you would have to deny that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now, I do not quite understand why this is, but that's the way it is, and it's a major obstacle towards unity that we could have with the Orthodox Church. And so, you know, I say, well, why don't we just get rid of that part of it? That's been the solution for some people. The only problem with that is that uh, the Bible itself speaks of the Holy Spirit being sent from the Son, proceeding from the Father and the Son, and so you can't really just reject that. And so that, by the way, is why you're not going to convert to orthodoxy, why you're not going to join the Orthodox Church, even though they have cooler hats than us and their churches have neat onion domes on them. Jesus himself speaks of sending his spirit. We have heard this these past several weeks from John 16. He says it over and over again. The Holy Trinity is not a hierarchy. They are co-eternal, co-equal. It is quite simply something that does not really make sense to us. Three in one. One God, three persons. One substance. Like If Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons come to your door and they'll tell you, you know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. You'll say, I know it's not. 
We had to make up a word to describe God because there's nothing existing in the world that quite tells us who he is. So the Trinity is a word that we come up with. And then things like the Athanasian Creed come along to help us to confess and to understand all of this without trying to resolve the mystery or make the math work. You can't balance the equation. It doesn't work. So this farmer in Greensboro, North Carolina, he was telling me of an Orthodox church that he knew of that was built without any triangles in the structure. Like they're very, very stubborn about these sorts of things. Now, the strongest architectural shape that you can come by is the triangle. Um, any solid building is going to be made up of hundreds of triangles. Roof trusses are just one big triangle with many supporting triangles in it. Our own roof here, right there, is held up by triangles. That's why it has lasted. The way that your church is built matters. The great cathedrals of the church are built in the shape of a cross. And you can see them clearly on satellite maps. And you think, what is that building that is in the shape of a cross? Well, I guarantee you it's not a mosque or a synagogue. That place has one purpose. That there is a church. So our roof even confesses the Holy Trinity. There are 12 triangles up there. What does that mean? Well, the church is built upon the Trinitarian teaching of the apostles, which is the teaching of Christ. Nice little details that are here and there. You can do those things with your buildings. Now, this is kind of crazy, but this Orthodox construction project was to be built without any triangles at all in the whole entire structure because they seriously did not want the filioque to be any part of the building. So it was built with all straight lines, confessing that the spirit only proceeds from the father and specifically not from the son. Well, sounds good. Hmm? But then the first big storm came, and at least according to this farmer, they get big storms there on the coast of the Carolinas, and it knocked the building flat over because it was structurally and theologically unsound. The confession of the Holy Trinity is the bedrock of your life. Baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be knocked down and you will not be defeated. Not even death can keep you down because you have been built around these three. We confess this not because it's simply a good idea, but because it is real. It's a good thing when your confession lines up with reality, no matter what it is you're confessing. The Father has created the world, <clears throat> the Son redeems the world, and the Spirit sustains the world. And why did the Son come to us? Why was Jesus Christ sent to us? Not to condemn the world, but to save the whole thing, all of it. And the world does not think that it needs saving. <clears throat> and not particularly do they care for this teaching. 
Because the world thinks that they can do it all on their own. They don't like to be told that they need saving. They don't like to be told that they should confess the Holy Trinity either. The Athanasian Creed won't go too far out there. To confess simply means to say the same thing. Now, we, we, we tend to think that confession has some sort of negative connotation to it, but that, that's not at all accurate. I mean, sometimes it does, but the confession is a good thing. What do we confess? We confess that we are sinners. Yes, that's one of the things that we confess, but only one. The Lord says, you are a sinner. And so you say, I am a sinner. The Lord says, you are forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. So you say, I am forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. The Lord says, you are baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so you confess, I am baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is a good confession. And a good confession puts you in line with the way that the Lord has shaped the world, a Trinitarian shape even. It also shows forth this truth to the world that the Lord is saving at the same time through these confessions. So the confession of the Holy Trinity lifts up the bronze serpent of Jesus Christ before all the world who will look upon him and be saved. You remember the story, right? They're being bitten by serpents out in the wilderness because they're complaining again and again and again. And so the Lord tells Moses to make a bronze serpent, to lift it up on a pole. And whoever looked upon it would be healed from the snake bites. What you believe matters. What you believe will save this is why the church has spent so much time clarifying these things. Look upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Confess the Athanasian Creed. Now this creed, this great gift that is given to us, this inheritance that's given to you, like they only come up with it about 600 AD or so. Now why did it take so long? Why have creeds at all? Creeds are formed specifically because some people are going out there and preaching things that aren't accurate, that are just plain wrong, that are untruthful. And so the church has to figure these things out. We compose these creeds to help us along. This is where other sorts of Christian confessions come along too, because it's important what you believe. Heresies, false teaching is very easy to fall into. The church spent a couple hundred years right off the bat figuring out just exactly who Jesus is. Is he God or is he man? What exactly happened there during those years of his ministry? What does it mean that he is the son of God and the son of man at the same time? These controversies seem simplistic and childish to, to us. 
but you stand on the shoulders of giants. And the mysteries of the Trinity have been revealed to you even clearer than they were to the generations past, so that your confessions could be tuned even finer. Why bother, you may ask? Why bother? <clears throat> because it is truth. Our world somehow does not like truth. I thought it was kind of a joke for a while. <clears throat> but live your truth. Well, that's something that people actually are saying and believing. As if your truth and my truth are different. That there is no way of knowing what is true at all. What is truth? The question has been asked before. Well, this is truth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one eternal God works for you. To save you. To give you life. Now and in eternity. That is truth. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. In the name of Jesus, amen.